Lord and Digital Cathedral family. Glad that you're with me this morning. Hope you're ready to get into God's Word. And as always, I'd like to welcome our first-time viewers, first-time people that are with us this morning. The day after Christmas, 2021, this year's almost over. Glad to have you with us on this day after Christmas Sunday morning. I want to get into some things this morning that I hope will unveil a little bit more of the kingdom to you. I want to talk to you about kingdom of God this morning and as it relates to you. If I were to put a title on the message this morning, put a title on the teaching, I would probably call it very simply, it's an inside job. It's an inside job. When I'm done teaching this morning, I want you to have a very clear uh, understanding and a very clear uh, conviction that the kingdom of God is in you functioning with all of the fullness of the Godhead flowing through you as you manifesting the kingdom. This is the time. This We are in a time period when we are well able to see the full manifestation of the kingdom of God through the manifesting sons and daughters of God. So we're going to talk about kingdom this morning, understanding that it's all an inside job. We're going to get into some things. We're going to do some stretching this morning. We're going to look at some scripture. And I want, I want to really hone in on some things that will flow from you as you get a real strong, good understanding of the kingdom of God. Now, if you have your Bible this morning, I want to start over in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to read two verses of scripture out of Luke just to get us warmed up and get us thinking kingdom this morning. Now, don't shut me off this morning if, if you think you know everything there is to know about kingdom, because I'm going to assure you we're going to talk to you about some things that maybe you haven't thought about in the light that I'm going to present it. So it's an inside job. Are you ready? Luke chapter 17, <clears throat> let me read verses 20 and 21. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 says, When Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom does not come with observation. Still a lot of people today looking for a observable outward kingdom. That's not where it's going to take place. That's not where the kingdom is going to arise. Jesus tipped us off to that. He says in verse 21, nor will they say hear or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God, listen, the kingdom of God is within you. Boom. I want you to get a vision of that. I want you to get uh, an imagination this morning of the kingdom of God dwelling within you. You say, well, what does the kingdom look like? Just hold on. We're going to get into some of that. Let's read one more verse of scripture from Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. When I'm done this morning, you're going to know that the kingdom of God is working through you and flowing out from you. I think you're going to I think you're going to like this when we're done. Luke chapter 9 verse 27, Jesus mentions the kingdom again and he says, "But truly I say to you, there are some standing here that shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. So there were some people that were listening to Jesus, standing there listening to Jesus that Jesus made a promise to. He said, you're not going to taste death till you see the kingdom of God. Now, either <clears throat> there's some very old people walking around on the planet or the kingdom of God is already here. Now, let's, let's just go with the fact there's not people living from Jesus' day still walking on the planet. So I would have to assume that the kingdom is here. And we read in that 17th chapter that it doesn't come with observation, but in fact, it dwells within you. All right, let's, let's look at this a little bit. Let me say this just to, is by way of introduction. The kingdom of God is wherever the king has dominion and reign. Wherever the king has dominion and reign and rule, the kingdom of God is there. 
So when you live what I like to call the Christ is us life, it's kind of the third step in progression that you've come from. The first stage was when you lived for Jesus and then, you know, Jesus was living through you. And But now you're at a place where you're understanding that we're living the Christ as us life and he's manifesting himself through you as you. So what we're talking about this morning is the king of truth, which is grace himself, has taken up residence inside of us. There's still a lot of people that are, are, are still looking for an outward manifestation. I'm, I'm telling you this morning that what goes on in the kingdom of God is what takes place within you. So hope you, I hope this morning you're going to get a uh, full view, a sharp focus, that the Christ is us life is lived daily on a very practical basis. I'm going to get down to some nuts and bolts this morning. I, if you've been with me, you know I don't like to talk theory. I don't like to talk uh, concept necessarily. I like to get in to what actually functions and works in life. If it doesn't produce, I'm really not interested in it. If, if the Father shows me something that enables us to produce, I spent six weeks talking to you about manifesting from the invisible to the visible. I call it co-creating. Some call it manifesting. I don't care what you call it as long as it produces. I'm not into, into you know putting a hard and fast description on something. What I'm looking for is the proof in the pudding. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about three, four things that's going to show the proof of the pudding that the kingdom of God is actually functioning within you. And it is functioning. You may not recognize it. And the non-recognition of the kingdom of God functioning in you causes a kink in the hose. It's like, you know, a garden hose. You can turn the water on full blast. But if you put a kink in that hose, there's nothing going to come out the nozzle. And I think that's what's happened to some of us. We haven't recognized the functioning kingdom that is within us with the fullness of the Godhead. Colossians chapter uh, 1 verse 9 says that in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10 says, and you're complete in him. Just that complete in him is a huge revelation going on right now. And most of my grace friends and even those that are seeing the finished work of the cross, they choke. <laughs> they literally choke. And if you take that, those two verses, take them to their absolute potential. Take them as far as you can take them, saying that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily and you're complete in him. You take the idea of union. See, this is all, this is all about kingdom. Union is about kingdom. Oneness is about kingdom. Uh, uh, Non-duality is about kingdom. So many of the things that we have studied and learned are about walking this kingdom life. And the key to it is the Christ is us. Understanding that he is living his life as you. Jesus is living as you. You're, you are one in union with him in the kingdom. So this kingdom focuses on the more powerful, invisible dimension that has an operation center within you. The kingdom is, is an operation center for the manifestation of what the sons of God are looking for way of needs and requests. It's all within us. It's in the kingdom. It's the operational center that is within you. We call, let's just call that the kingdom, the operational center. I kind of like that, operational center. A lot of people have been frustrated because they've tried to manifest the kingdom through uh, physical means, through things that they do. You, it's an inside job. The kingdom of God is within you. So if it's within you, it's working in you. You cannot, you cannot use a lot of the things that we used in days gone by, like uh, formulas or steps, uh, you can't try to make it come by disciplining yourself or by um, 
um, fasting. I mean, we could, we could go on and on and on and on about things. The kingdom of God is not transactional. It's not, the kingdom of God is not something you do, then God does. That's a transaction. People have made salvation a transaction. You pray the magic prayer, God comes and saves you. Salvation is not transactional. I'm, I'm not gonna get into that this morning, but if you understand that you were saved by grace plus nothing, that it was a, a direct deposited gift of God through the finished work of the cross, then you can understand that's not a transaction. That's a gift. The kingdom of God within you is, is fully a gift. So the life that you live that can be seen has got to be outsourced from the dimension that is invisible within you. Does that make sense? If we want to manifest the kingdom outwardly, we don't do it by steps. We don't do it by formulas. We don't do it by discipline, fasting, all the other little hoops we try to jump through to make the things of God appear on the earth. It's an inside job. The kingdom of God is an outworking. It's outsourced from within you to the outside. The fruit of the kingdom, the visible manifestation of the kingdom, the evidence of the kingdom of the spirit comes out of the invisible, out of that which is in you. So we have, we've married ourselves to Jesus, right? And the, 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 the demonstration of that marriage is the kingdom of God. Wherever the king reigns, wherever the king has dominion or rule, there the kingdom, there the kingdom is. And so when we are of one spirit with the Lord, the Lord and I, you this morning, you're one spirit. There's not two of you, there's one of you. See, when you went to school, you learned one plus one equals two. But now in kingdom math, one plus one equals one. They're not, you're not two, two separates. You're, you're inseparably tied together in union. So you don't learn kingdom from mental ascent. You don't learn uh, kingdom function by mental understanding. There comes a point in time, and we've all done this. I've read, like I've run a, I've read a ton of books on the, the kingdom. I've read, I have read the best authors that have ever walked the planet, many of which are no longer living, some died prematurely, wrote some great books on the kingdom, but they, they didn't take it from an inside out working. It was more of a, of, a, of, a, of a getting it to manifest through what we do. And it doesn't manifest that way. It doesn't manifest that way. And there comes a time in your life, and you're, you're, I believe that you're, you're at that point. Some of you have been with me a long time. You're at that point to step over the line to the kingdom becoming your reality. That, the, that what is invisible, what is not seen, has become your reality. And you understand that it's in him that you live. It's in him you move. It's in him you have your being. You're coming, you are in an understanding and maybe it's just kind of breaking to you. You're just beginning to see, you're still, you're still seeing men walk like trees, right? You don't have the full vision, you don't have, you don't have clarity yet but you're beginning to understand that you were, you were created and you're manifesting as a son of God to live out of the kingdom garden in the way that Adam was intended and designed to live out of the garden that he was placed in. The difference is Adam was placed in a garden. The kingdom, the garden has been placed in us. So where Adam could walk about and see the, 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 the garden that he was in, you and I have a garden that is within, but it's invisible. It doesn't appear to natural eyes, but it doesn't cut, doesn't cut the potential of the resource of the kingdom that is within you. Colossians 1.12 says that the Father has qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance. 
He's qualified you, right? The inheritance is the kingdom. The kingdom is your inheritance. The kingdom belongs to you. It's what he has given to you. So how, how did he do that? How, how did he qualify us? All right, Ephesians chapter one. I read verse four a lot and I wanna look at, I'll put a little spin on it and I wanna read verse five with verse four. All right, how did he qualify us? Here's how he qualified us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So that qualified you, that you should be holy. Watch, watch, watch the qualification, that you should be holy and without blame before him in love. Does that mean, does that mean in people's eyes you're blameless and you're holy? Absolutely not. Absolutely, I'm not holy and blameless in my own eyes, let alone your eyes. But in his eyes, we absolutely are. This is what qualified us. So when we're talking about the kingdom, we're not talking about you trying to do something to qualify yourself. We're talking about his qualification and his placement of the kingdom within you to be a supply source for everything that you need in life. Now let's pick up verse five. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So he's qualified you in a couple different ways. He's qualified you to live out of the kingdom, first of all, by choosing you in Christ before the foundation of the world, making you blameless and, and without spot in his eyes, then adopting you as a son that has been brought into the kingdom. So this completeness, here's what I'm trying to drive home at the start of this. I'm still in my introduction. Here's what I'm trying to drive home. The spiritual completeness and perfection are gifts that he has given to you that qualifies you to be a partaker of the divine nature, thereby being able to partake of the kingdom. He is the king of your life. If he has dominion in your life, then you're living in the kingdom. It, it, it wasn't your choice. You didn't choose to live in the kingdom. He counted you blameless and, and harmless and perfect in his eyes. He preordained that you be adopted as a son. So he gifted you. He gifted you into the kingdom. Everybody has the gift. Everybody is in the kingdom. Some aren't aware of it. Some have not awakened to it. They're a million miles from it. It would seem in their dullness and in their understanding. But it was given to you, listen, it was given to you before you were created. That's how much he loved you. That's how much he planned for you. That's how much he cares for you. That's how the one who sees the end from the beginning planned the whole process. So everyone has the gift because the father is no respecter of children. I spent a long time a couple of weeks ago talking to you about the fact that the father does not love Jesus more than he loves you. He does not favor one son over another son. He doesn't choose some to be more spiritual. He doesn't put a stamp on some and say, you're going to be able to hear my voice clearly and others will never be able to hear my voice. We all come into the family on the same footing. We all come into the family at the same place. We all come in with the same um, uh, gift of the kingdom that has been placed within us. The kingdom is within you. You may not be drawing on it. You may be blind to it, but that doesn't neutralize the truth that the kingdom is within you. Now, the fact may be that you're not living out of the kingdom, but fact never trumps truth. Truth always trumps fact. And the truth is the kingdom is within you. How do I know that? Because he's not a respecter of people. The scripture says in Galatians chapter three, verse 28, it says that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, Gentile, uh, 
but Christ, and he goes on, he lays it all out. He said, but Christ is all and in all. And then next chapter 10, verse 34, Peter goes through this whole process up on a porch and, you know, he's being a good Jew and his blanket comes down and God says, you know, he's hungry. He says, well, take something and eat it. And Peter says, no, I can't. Those are unclean animals. I can't eat that. God's teaching him a lesson. And in verse 34, chapter 10 of Acts, Peter finally gets it and says this. Listen, this is dynamite. Peter finally perceives, the good Jew finally says, I perceive that God is no respecter of people. What's the point of this? Why did I give you Galatians 3.28 and Acts chapter 10, verse 34? Because I want you to know that you're included this morning. Everything I'm talking about, everything in the kingdom, everything that arises out of kingdom manifestation, you are a partaker of. The same seed of divinity, the seed of God, called image and likeness, God planted in you and has made you a spitting image of your daddy. No question about it. You have, the you have your daddy's DNA. It comes through the bloodline. You have the DNA of, of the father that created you from the very beginning. John chapter 20. Let's, let's pick up a little bit more. I want to, I want to keep, keep moving with this and I want to keep moving along because I want to get to where I want to go. Still introducing this, still laying some foundation down. And then I'm probably going to get to preaching in just a minute. John chapter 20, verse 17. Jesus said this, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, now here's what I want you to get. Jesus has given her a message. This is right after the resurrection. She sees Jesus. Jesus, I want you to go and give the disciples a message. Here's the message. I am ascending to my father and your father. I am ascending to my father and your father. He includes them. He pulls them in. To my God and your God. What, what's the point of that scripture? Jesus is speaking a kingdom truth to her that she's supposed to carry back and give to the disciples. And the kingdom truth is this. He's revealing the union of family with the father. He's showing the, the parameters, the, the, the boundaries of the family of God. And he said, why don't you go back and tell these guys? Then pray the magic prayer. They, they had not even, this is John 17, they hadn't even received John 20, the Holy Spirit yet. He hadn't breathed on them. So for all practical purposes, according to evangelical standards, these guys are still dead spiritually. And yet Jesus puts them in union with the Father and says, go back and tell them, I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. So Jesus' Father is your Father. There, there's, there's, there's no favoritism here. We are in union with the Son. We are in divine sonship as one with Him. And that's what mankind has forgotten. We've forgotten our genesis. We have forgotten our point of origination. Uh, generally in church, there's one of three points of starting that the church will take you to. Either they start you at the cross, right? When Jesus died on the cross, then new life could begin. Or we go back to Adam. They want to start you in Adam. When Adam fell, then that's when you got into the whole deal. Or back to creation in Genesis chapter 1. That's not your Genesis. That's not your starting point. We read your starting point in Ephesians chapter 1, before the foundation of the world. God knew you. God put you in Christ before the foundation of the world. But here's what's happened. Religion has clouded that. Nobody taught us that. Nobody ever mentioned that truth Nobody ever said that that was our value. And so we have diminished our value and we have, we have forgotten that our value, our worth, never changed from the very beginning. 
If you start at the cross, value has changed. If you start with Adam, value changed. If you start at creation, forward. See, those are not those those are not revelations of your true value. The only revelation of your true value is what God did for you before foundation in Christ. All right, let's look what David said. Psalm chapter 100. I know I'm going quick, and you may have to go back and listen to this a couple times, but I've got a mission this morning. I'm, I'm trying to show you how important you are, and I'm trying to show you at the start of this teaching that the kingdom of God is within you, that it is functioning within you, that you have every right to lay claim to it. You have every right to say, I'm an inheritor of that, that that's part of, of my inheritance. All right, Psalm 100 and verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. All right, let me just take a drink, let that settle in. We read it again. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. You didn't make yourself. You didn't, you didn't plan on showing up here. He planned the whole thing. Do you think the, the, the omniscient God who knows the end from the beginning did not plan something good for you? Now we get messed up. We don't know our value. We don't know our worth. We, our identity is being clouded over. But he's got a way of bringing that up. It does not gonna matter how long it takes. It may take a couple thousand years for some of us to get it, it's not gonna take you that long, that's why you're here. We are, we are the first fruits of what he's doing in the earth right now. And I'm, I'm telling you this morning that the manifestation of the sons of God, the daughters of God is for a purpose and that is to manifest the kingdom, to manifest the fullness of the Godhead that dwells in its, in its entirety within you. And I'm not, gonna press, I'm not gonna press that far because I think that's almost, more than some of you can even swallow at this point. But if we, we begin to push that thing out to its absolute maximum, it's gonna blow your mind. And we're, we're gonna get there. I'm just not gonna take you there very fast. I'm gonna let, let, let a lot of this, like I said, I'm gonna let, let a lot of this crock pot with you just a little bit as we continue to progress. So here's, here's the point. In God's economy, Jesus represents all of us. There's only two men that ever lived. First Adam, last Adam. And everybody that was born after Adam was in first Adam. Everybody that was born post-resurrection is in last Adam. First Corinthians chapter five and verse 14, this is a great verse, probably one you don't hear in church much. First Corinthians 5, 14, I, I wanna read it because I, I quote part of the verse, but I think there's a part on the first part of the verse that I, I failed to quote and I need to. First, first um, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. Yeah, that's the part I really like. Whenever the love of God compels you, it's moving you, it's driving you, it's motivating you. For the love of Christ motivates us because here's what we judge. Oh, this is good. That if one died for all, then all died. Paul said it another way at another place. He said, we're crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ that lives in me. Here's what I want you to see, that if one died for all, then all died. He pulled all of humanity into himself. I want you to see that. He absorbed all of humanity into himself so that when he died, you died. You've already died your death. Scripture says it's appointed in a man to, once to die. You've already died your death. You're never going to die. You're never going to die. You, you may transition out of that flesh body. There's going to be a generation that doesn't even do that. You may come out of that flesh body. 
He that is, he, Jesus said, he that lives and believes in me will never die. You're not going to die. It's appointed a man once to die, watch, and then the judgment. See, a lot of people are afraid of that judgment because they don't understand the kingdom. They don't understand that those in the kingdom, those that recognize kingdom, those that have awakened the kingdom, they have already faced judgment and you've been judged righteous. You've been judged according to Ephesians 1, 4. You're holy and blameless before him in love. He's judged you of that. Why? Because you've already died your death. You died on the cross with him. He died as you on the cross and you died with him. You were there with him when he died. You were pulled into him. So what, what man could not attain through the old covenant of discipline and works, and God knew that he could never do it. God knew that he couldn't, couldn't make himself right by what he did. He knew that he would fail. So what man could not do, God in Christ achieved. The agreement that came for mankind was between the Father and the Son. You had nothing to do with it. You're a beneficiary of it. You received, you received uh, when the Testament was read, you received everything that's in there as part of the will. So Christ becomes as us and he gifts us. He gives us a lot of gifts. One of the things that we've been gifted with is the kingdom. And he's gives, he gives us the tools to function in that kingdom. Now, I'm going to start getting to the message here, into the teaching, just a minute. He gives us the kingdom tools to function in the kingdom. So if you're living the Christ as us life, you've, you've moved beyond living for Jesus. You've moved beyond him living through you. You know, you try to be a clean vessel and keep yourself swept and operate in the gifts. You're living a life now that Christ is us like. You understand that he is living as you. You're living as him. As he is, so are you in this world. You've come to that understanding. Then you're going to begin to demonstrate the kingdom outwardly. And the working of that kingdom outwardly comes from what works within. The kingdom is an inside job. And just like so many things, we, 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 look for the, we look for the tangibles on the outside. We're looking for the fruit on the inside. Don't concentrate on that. Concentrate on the internal development of the kingdom. Now, as you see the outworking of the kingdom, all right, I'm going to get into my teaching now. As you get into the outworking of the kingdom, you're going to notice that three things begin to take place in your life. These are all good things. There's a lot more than three, but this week I just felt impressed to come to the digital cathedral and encourage you about these three areas that are functioning in your life and are going to function with greater intensity and strength as you recognize the outworking of the kingdom from within, right? As you develop that kingdom on the inside, it's going to begin to flow to the outside. And the first thing that you're going to notice, number one, I'm going to give you three. Number one is this, that there's going to become a functioning of what I call the principle of supply. The principle of supply. This is so important. Principle of supply in the kingdom says that there's only one source. There's only one source of supply for your income. One source of supply for your health. There's only one source of supply for your happiness or, or your peace or your love. There's only one source of that supply in the kingdom. Now listen, when we were living for Jesus, or Jesus was living through us, we were taught that supply is outside of us. That's why you would pray, God, I need you to, I need a miracle to pay the rent. God, I need you to do something to come and bless me. I need you to come from wherever you are and heal me because you saw supply on the outside. 
and you were trying to get that supply from the outside to where you were. Now, so what did you do? You ended up going to God and you were begging and pleading your case. You were laying your, laying your case out before him like an attorney, like a lawyer. You were arguing, praying fervently, trying to convince God to, to come and, and provide for you. You saw that you had so many needs, so many needs, need to pay the rent, need to pay the car, need to pay the grocery bill, need to pay a credit card, need to pay all these payments. I got all this stuff going on. I got all these needs in my life. I have physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. I have all these needs. God, please come. God, I'm just praying for a sense of your presence today to meet my needs. Let me give you a familiar verse of scripture. Let's, let's dismantle that because as the kingdom flows through you, you're gonna understand there's one source of supply. One source of supply. Philippians chapter four. Boy, you've read this verse a gazillion times, and I bet I'm gonna maybe point something out that you never saw in Philippians chapter four and verse 19. Watch what it says. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if I were to ask 100 Christians to quote that verse, and if I were to start it for them, and my God, they would, here's, what, here's what they would say. And my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's not what the verse says. I bet most of you would, would quote it that way. My God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's not what the verse says. It says, and my God shall supply all of your need. Singular. Yet every time I've ever heard that verse quoted from the, from the biggest time preachers I know, it always comes out needs plural because we have been drilled that we have multiple needs. We have multiple needs, right? You don't have multiple needs. You only have one need. You know what the one need you have is? It's to be connected to your eternal supply. There's only one source in the kingdom and it's the Father. There's only one source. Now, the, the supply is sufficient. The source is sufficient for whatever need that you have. It's a supernatural supply. There's no end to it. It comes in all various forms. Now, notice something in here. This is really good. I bet you never noticed this. I bet you didn't notice need. You thought it was needs because that's why you, you've heard it always quoted. My God shall meet all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Need is singular, riches is plural. He has a lot of ways, a lot of channels to get what you need to you, but it all comes from one source, all comes from one supply. The one supply contains all of the riches to meet your need. Now, how's that, how does that gonna happen? You're gonna see it happening in the kingdom one of two ways. Either he is going to, either he is going to uh, uh, bring it to you, Oftentimes, we think of a miracle as when he's just bringing it to you. Uh, it's that, that's when the power of the invisible takes over and dominates and makes itself visible. The way that he's going to meet your need through his riches is he's going to bring it to you, number one. When, when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish, he brought, he brought the supply to Jesus. When, when the Red Sea parted, it was God bringing the solution to the problem, to the dilemma, to the children of Israel. When the ravens fed Elijah daily, um, he came to Elijah with, with the food for the day. Did you, did you ever think, catch this, 
Did you ever think that what you call coincidence, what you call the luck of the draw, or just the way the cookie crumbled, working out perfectly, did you ever think that that might be the invisible manifesting in the visible and God bringing to you exactly what you needed? Do you remember in, 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 uh, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 34 to 37, the angel appears to Mary and says, you're going to become pregnant and you're going to have a boy and his name's going to be Jesus. And she said, how can these things be? And in verse 37 of Luke chapter 1, the angel says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible, right? With God, all things are possible. So the possibility of him just bringing it to you, it's happened so many times. I'm sure that the times that we just thought, man, that, that's just, that was a coincidence. That just happened that way. That would have never happen again in a thousand years. You're probably right, because it was probably God meeting your need through his riches. You've only got one need, and that is to be connected to him. And once, once you zone in on that need, let me give you another verse. Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Mark chapter 10, I think this is Jesus pretty much saying the same thing. But l let me read this for you. Mark chapter 10, verse 37. They said to him, grant us that we may sit. Um, Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Here we go. Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible, but with God, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So we, we find throughout the scripture, I mean, we just read two instances, once from Mark, once, once from Luke, once from Mark, where first of all, the angel tells Mary, with God, all things are possible. Then Jesus, see, this is the consciousness that Jesus had. Jesus had a consciousness that with God, all things are possible. This is your older brother. This is the one whose, whose pattern you're following. He says, with God, all things are possible. So he's opening up this dimension. He's opening up this level of consciousness to you to know that God can bring to you whatever you need. All right, the second thing is, the second way that he will supply your needs, needs, once you get hooked into your need to only have one source, is he will lead you to it. He will lead you to it. Now, we saw the ravens come to Elijah. Then we saw Elijah led to the widow's house. The disciples were led to Jesus when Jesus gave instruction to go get the donkey. They were led to the donkey. Jesus led them to the donkey. They were led, remember when Jesus said, hey guys, we owe some tax money. Go down, go fishing and pull the first fish out. They were led to the fish that had the coin in his mouth. Sometimes, sometimes it takes us coming to an end of ourself. Like I, I was teaching you last week about fishing, Jesus fishing trip. Sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves and toil all night and get nothing to understand that Jesus is the supply. There's only one source. There's only one source of supply. It comes in a lot of ways. Comes, his riches are multiple, but there's only one source. And I want you to get honed in on that. Your job is not your source. Uh, uh, an inheritance from your rich uncle is not your source. There's no source. There's no source, but one source in the kingdom. And I want you to, you know, see those fish over there, Luke 5. I want, want you to see those as sails. I want you to see them as, uh, you know, whatever whatever it is that you need. The, the problem solved. And that's how the Father does it. So all supply, whether they're miracles, whether he's, he's leading you to it, or he's bringing it to you, they come from the kingdom that is within you. That's the point. 
I call it, I call it co-creating. I call it co-creating most of the time. You can call it whatever you'd like to call it, as long as we can get the visible results. So as we trust in one kingdom and we put uh, uh, no trust in any kingdom other than the kingdom, the supply is going to increase. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. All right? That's, he didn't say seek kingdoms. One kingdom, one source, one supply. And here's the tagline at the end. All these things will be added to you. All right? So when you live out of the kingdom, as you live from the inside to the outside, see, that's why I'm after the development of the kingdom within. I'm not, I'm not after you trying to get it to, to, to manifest. I'm not after you trying to get it to show up. What I, that's a natural happening. That's, that's a fruit of what goes on internally. When I told you it starts with a thought, goes to your imagination, your heart develops. See, that's all internal working. That's all internal. It's not begging God. It's not pleading to God. Um, now I'm going to add a lot more to this as we move along, but I, I just, I got to get going this morning. I'm running short of time. So we demonstrate the kingdom as we understand that there's only one source. And we, we accept that. We see it. We see, we, we perceive it. We understand it. We let it become a truth in our life. All right, number two, the kingdom outworks from within us as we forgive and pray for our enemies. Oh, this is a stickler. <laughs> I, could st I, could, I could take all day on this one. As we pray for and forgive our enemies. We make this forgiveness thing so complicated. We carry all these burdens with unforgiveness and hurts and wounds. Come on, we gotta let, we gotta let that stuff go. Jesus never held any unforgiveness. Maybe the biggest, the biggest thing you can integrate kingdom truth into your life in this area of forgiveness is what Jesus said from the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When people treat you wrong, when they, when they uh, backstab you, when they you know, talk about you or treat you ill in some way, uh, try to bully you, whatever it is, the attitude has got to be in the kingdom. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Jesus did not hold any unforgiveness. So when you begin to live the Christ is us life, you're going to be called on to bless your enemies, to pray for those that despitefully use you. I don't know too many people doing that. Most, most times they're trying to work out me just forgiving. It's all about me, 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 me. I got to forgive so I can get released. No, I'll tell you how this, how this works. I'll tell how it works. Stop concentrating on the forgiveness and spend some time with love himself. And as you spend time with love himself, you're going to notice that forgiveness begins to flow from your life just naturally because love holds no account of wrongs. Come on, love holds no account of wrongs. Perhaps the greatest release of power to live the Christ is us life is to simply say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what the heck they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And I, I don't think there's any greater demonstration of love than forgiveness. You want to walk in love, then forgive. Let it go. Now, I, I'm speaking to you from this point. I know I'm talking to some of you that maybe as, as children, you were molested or abused or whatever. Those are deep wounds that happened before you had any spiritual understanding, any spiritual perception. What I'm talking to you about today, if you're carrying stuff from days gone by. I want you to practice this. Just say, Father, forgive them and pray for them. Can you do that? Pray for them. If possible, bless them. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Look, again, don't try to make this happen. 
spend time with love himself. And I'm telling you, Jesus modeled this. He taught us, and I don't have time to read it. If you read Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, this is what Jesus modeled. This is this is functioning kingdom right here in Matthew chapter 5. And this is one of the hindrances that people have of not being able to manifest the kingdom. And again, this is an inward work. You can't grit your teeth and say, oh, I forgive them, I let them go, <sighs> but I sure wish God would get them. You know, or you hold that bitterness. You, you know if you let it go or not. His love says, neither do I condemn them. That's what love says. Love says, neither do I, neither do I condemn them. I don't condemn them. I don't, I don't judge them. It's not my job. I don't have to judge. See, that frees you up so much. Oh my gosh, that frees you up. As you move into the kingdom and as you live in fullness of grace, the Father will create the change that enables you to forgive effortlessly. So don't try to make this happen. I'm encouraging you this morning to spend time, intimate relationship with love himself and let love develop you from within. This is an inside job. Again, this is an inside, this is an inside working of the Spirit of God. You can't make it happen. It's not three steps to forgiveness, not four steps to live a victorious life because you let your enemies go. I'm telling you, this is an inside job. It's an inside work. Be like the Father in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17, and just simply say, their sins and their transgressions, I remember no more. Somebody really wronged you, stole money from you. You loaned somebody money and they never brought it up again, never paid it back. Every time you see them, that thing raises up within you. Why? Listen, I've given people thousands of dollars as a pastor. I've, I've helped more people that said, would you loan me uh, $500? Man, I, I really, I'm, and I would, I knew, I learned not to loan. If I couldn't afford to give it, I wouldn't give it because your chances are you're never gonna get it back. So I would give it to them, and internally I would say, I, release, I forgive them, I release them from this debt and this obligation. And I, don't, I cannot tell you, and a lot of you watching Digital Cathedral were with me when I was pastoring in a building, and you, you can call me out on this. Of all the people that I ever gave money to, I don't know of one that ever came back and gave it back to me, that repaid it. And some of them were Christians that know better, but that's just what happens. So you got a choice. Do you walk in bitterness and animosity toward it? You say, Father, forgive them. You know, they probably need it. I, you supply, there's one source, right? There's only one supply. So he, could, he he's, he's so faithful to give it back and supply. All right, third thing is this. This is what outworks within you. And this, this is what helps to set you free. It's moving from the letter of truth to the, to the spirit of truth. The, the letter of truth is what the Pharisees hung on to. This is what separated Jesus from the Pharisees. And this is what separates you from religion. This is what separates you from the way that you used to live. Again, this is an internal working. And once you begin to get a hold of the spirit of truth, you begin to get life out of what he says to you. You, you, you read the book and you get life out of the book where before it was like dead letter. It was like, Somebody said one time, this is an owner's manual. And what they meant by that was, you better read that to find out how you are to live. How many times did Jesus say, you've heard it said, and he quoted the Pentateuch, first five books. He quoted the Pentateuch effortlessly. And then he said, but I say to you. And then he would, he would put a twist on it or he actually contradict. 
So what, what, what appeared to be a contradiction. So what Jesus was doing, he wasn't, he wasn't taking the letter of truth. He was seeing the spirit of truth that was in what the Pharisees saw is only letter of truth. So there, there's so much difference in this. This is why you're reading your Bible now, and it seems like it's a different book. Because now you're starting to pull the spirit of truth out of it. The spirit of truth says this, and the letter of truth absolutely doesn't get what you're talking about. People that are still in dead religion, you come to them with 1 Corinthians what 15, 22. As an animal all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. They will never get the spirit of that. They will never see below all die in Adam. And they will come up with an excuse why all can't live in Christ. They will, they will not see the spirit of that. So since the, the Father constitutes our very being, we're one with him, he's spirit, we're spirit, since we're partakers of his divine nature, since we're heirs of all that he is, all that he has, all that, all that he could ever possibly give to us, then, then don't try to get more from him. <laughs> don't try to get from people. See, the spirit, the spirit of the word, one source, we release and forgive people. And so now we're seeing that as we pull from the spirit of what he says to us, as he illuminates maybe scripture, or you're reading a book, I believe that there are books that are written with the same spirit of inspiration as the Bible, as scripture. Absolutely. So as you're reading and, and you, you begin to see the spirit of something and it start, you, you hear it in here. You know what I'm talking about? You hear it in here. You hear it internally. And it re we call it, res it resonates. Back in church, we just call it witnesses to my spirit, right? Your spirit starts to leap like John the Baptist. When Mary came and told Elizabeth she's pregnant, John the Baptist leaped within Mary's womb. There's a leaping that takes place in your spirit when the spirit of truth comes to you. So with Jesus, he's freely given us everything. So we don't have to go to the Father and ask and beg and plead. We pull the spirit of truth out of what he says. So you can either have, here's the point, you can either have a mental understanding or you can have a revelation that moves you from religion to a life of living as Christ. I, I had head knowledge for so many years. I thought there was a spiritual understanding attached to it. But looking back on it, I had very little spiritual understanding. I, I understood a lot of things, could teach a lot of things, had mental uh, mental grasp, could explain it. But it's just a gift. I have a gift of teaching. I know that. I could take an elect electronics manual, and I know nothing about electronics. I could study it out, and I could teach from that manual. It's just an ability to communicate. I understand that. So there's there's two ways you can come out of this. You can be a Pharisee and pull, um, you can pull, uh, uh, the spirit of truth, like Jesus did, or you can pull the letter of, of, of the truth. But there's only one that gives life, and that's spirit. So you can have a mental understanding. Let me say it again. You can have a mental understanding, or you can have a revelation that moves you out of religion into the Christ's us life. And that's, that's what's happened to you today. You have a revelation. You are walking in revelation knowledge that you didn't have before. So the Holy Spirit was given to you. The spirit of truth was given to you in fullness to enable you to bypass the limitations of your mind. Why we've been so limited, and I gotta, I gotta get this thing done here. Why we're so limited is because we still carry uh, uh, little vestiges of that mental, living mentally. We're not living fully out of spirit in most cases. The spirit we understand was given to us in fullness to bypass the limitations of our mind. My spirit tells me a lot of things I know are true. The spirit shows me revelation, but it's my head that gives me trouble. 
So people come to the Digital Cathedral, people message me, and what they're hearing resonates, but they've still got all these what ifs, how abouts, buts, uh, how would you explain this? And we're always pulling uh, a remote verse or, you know, well, if you do this, then this. Always trying to figure out uh, a loophole. And it's because they have just latched on to the letter of truth. They have not pulled the spirit. They haven't seen love in all that functions in what God says. So we doubt sometimes what the spirit does because we're still uh, functioning in some degree of mentality. So what really uncorks the spirit of truth what really encorks the spirit of truth and gets you out of that um, letter of truth is to is to flow it. It's to share with people. I found the more that I share with people, the more I get. If you're not if you're not getting rid, if you're not sharing, if you're not dispensing what you have, why do you need more? So you you need to be like a river. Don't dam the river up. Let it flow. Get it out of you. When you use and share what you see. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to go read it. You can read it for yourself. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25, he says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he, in verse 25, he says, To those that have been given, even more will be given. Why will more be given? Because they have dispensed what they have, and there's now that empty place when you can take in more. As you function in the kingdom, man, I've, I've got so much inside of me that I want to I want to teach this morning, but my time's almost up. I got 49 minutes, 18, 19 seconds in. I try to hold it to 50 minutes. There's so much that's flowing out of me this morning on this on the truth of the kingdom. As you as you function from within, as you develop from within, there comes a source of one supply. There comes an ability to walk in forgiveness, exactly like Jesus did, which empowered him. There's no greater power in the kingdom than to walk in forgiveness. Unforgiveness holds a lot. It's, a, it's like putting a kink in the hose. And then third of all, we begin to, to, to see the spirit of truth and we leave the letter of truth behind us. So let me just say this in conclusion. I want you to know this morning that you are fully supplied to demonstrate and flow out of the kingdom this morning. You, you are there. You're perfectly there. Now, it's going to rise out of your consciousness. It's going to rise out of your awareness, your perception, your, your sensitivity that's developed by spending more time with him. The more time you spend with him, the more you grow internally. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to fold your hands. If you're out mowing the lawn, riding your riding lawnmower. If you have a big yard and you're riding your riding lawnmower, just commune with him. That's otherwise, otherwise, you're just going to stare into space. Take that time. Learn to find times when you can just Commune internally. Let him develop you. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a rush. Keep crockpotting things. Turn them over. Chew them over. Let him illuminate you. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find your life changes drastically because the change always begins within. Exercise those things. Don't be fearful of them. Don't be fearful of your consciousness, your awareness, your perception, your sensitivity. Calling that the voice of God. That's how God speaks to you. Jesus, when he was born had the fullness of wisdom. He had the fullness of sonship. He had the fullness of favor of God in him at birth, but he developed it. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. When you were born, you, you were born with the same fullness of wisdom and sonship and favor with the Father that Jesus had. The only difference in you and I is that we didn't start developing it, some of us, 
till we were pretty late in life. We'd already lived 30, 40, 50, 60 years till all of this began to dawn on us. And now we're beginning to develop it where Jesus developed it from a very early age and he grew in it and you're growing in it too. You have as much Holy Spirit to supply you with all things and to release others into forgiveness, to bring others into this life, to live out of revelation, to not be bound down by mental ascent anymore as Jesus has. As he is, so are you in this world. Let me say one more thing. And of his fullness, we've all received. There's no getting around it. It's an inside job. Let it develop. All right, I think that's a good place to stop this morning. We're going to kick off the new year. I'm going to do my first teaching on John next Sunday. We're going to interspent, uh, sprinkle teachings on uh, the Gospel of John with uh, our creating teachings and our I amness and all that we're developing as we go along. But I want to get through the book of John because John has some special things to say. It's a very special gospel. And I'll repeat this next week, but actually John is the only gospel that we know was written by firsthand observation of Jesus. John is the only one of the four gospels that we're sure that walked and talked with Jesus. All right, I'll explain more about that next week. We're going to uncover a lot from John. I'm not going to go verse by verse like I did last year, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. I'm going to cherry pick uh, stories and situations out that I think are unique and give us insight into the development that we're going through right now in the process. So it's going to be good. Going to be good. 2022 is going to be a great year, and I'm glad to make the journey with you. God bless you. Thank you for the support, the prayers. We'll see you Wednesday night at The Secret Place. Make sure you hit the subscribe and the like, and leave a comment if you can. God bless you. We'll see you next time at the Digital Cathedral.